Good morning. We are glad that you're here. We have a really special presentation from our kids' praise. They upstage us every time, and everybody's looking at them, right? Because they look so good. Well, good morning. What a great way to start. As the children are leaving, let's stand together, please, as we continue singing songs of praise. Lift your voice with me, will you?
popular song, usually we hear it around Christmas, the end of the chorus says, hear the angels as they're singing at the moment of his birth, but how much greater will our song be when he comes to rule the earth? Amen. Heavenly Father, we wait anxiously for that day. Whether you return or call us home, we will be in your presence. Until that time, Father, you have given us the task, and that is to share the gospel, to lift up your name, to point people to you. We pray that you would use this service to help us to do that better. May our focus and our concentration be on you this morning. Father, may Jesus Christ be our audience of one. May he get the praise that he is so due and richly deserves from our hearts, from our minds, from our lips. These things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Bill. Well, good morning, church. What a start that was, eh? I get to follow that up. So we're just so glad you're here, and we would just love to connect with you. We have a text line, 904-441-6900, and you can text the word connect, and we will connect with you. You can leave your prayer request there. You could also text news and get a digital copy of the bulletin. You can text give, or you can text 4G to make contributions to the church budget or to the building fund. We have a few announcements to make. We have a uh, congregation meeting this afternoon at 4 p.m. Um, you can, we would really love to have you there to uh, go over the business of the church. We'll have uh, worship and fellowship. It's just like a church service, only we, we take votes. And then if you have a middle schooler or a high schooler, and, uh, you're, or you're in charge of a middle schooler or a high schooler, we have a uh, Impact Youth Weekend coming up this weekend. It's, uh, it's a big event for the youth. They stay overnight, and it's $25. If you'd like to sign up for that, you can... Um, go online to anastasiachurch.org slash impactweekend or you can call the church office and we will get you connected. Also, we have an incredibly fun night coming up on March 24th. We have a uh, dinner theater. It's called Smoke on the Mountain. I have to get that right. The tickets are $25 and if you go on to anastasiachurch.org slash dinner theater, you can order tickets and get your, get your table reserved or you can call the church office and we'll take care of you. So let's have a wonderful day and let Pastor Walter bring the message. Thank you, Bill. And right now I'm not going to bring a message. I want to share with you about what's going on behind the church property. Have any of you noticed that a building has started going up behind the church? <laughs> have you noticed that the parking is a little more restricted in the last little while? So just want you to know that there's a lot going on. During the month of February... We've been trying to let, remind ourselves of the great task that the Lord has laid before us. And we call this for generations to come. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to reach out to our, preschool, to our families of preschoolers, children, and youth. And you know, God is bringing children and families to this church. And I praise God for that. I'm so grateful that we're here at a church that's growing and not a church that's dying. And, uh, you know, if you were here at the service earlier, you heard the, the kids' praise singing. We had a, a, a baptism of a youth at the 9 o'clock service. We had baby dedication of about six or seven uh, kids at the 9 o'clock service as well. Kids' praise left because they're going to go sing in the other service across the hall. God is bringing families here to, to Anastasia. And families in our community, many of them are in crisis, and they need the Lord. And so God has called us to reach those families in crisis. And part of that is our For Generations to Come building campaign. And we're building, in case you don't know, we're building a family ministry center uh, for preschoolers, children, and youth. We're building a rec center uh, that will also be used. And that stuff is coming up now. It's now coming up out of the ground. But more importantly, we're not building a building. We're working with God. He's building his church. Amen. And uh, you see the picture up there. Oh, no, you don't. You're going to see a picture up there. There you are. I asked them, I, I asked the project manager, I, I want to pray over that first block that gets laid. And so they are very efficient. By the time I got there, they got three rows already down. 
But right there at that corner where Roy Jones, our, our, uh, our, our chairman of the, BAP, of the building steering committee, and myself, we're praying over those blocks as they get laid down that God would use this building as a tool for his use, that this would not be something for our glory. This is something for the Lord. And we're going to build safe and secure and good facilities so that we can reach families. So the, that was taken about a week or two ago when they laid those first blocks down. But let me tell you, more important than the blocks, every child you saw here, that's a brick of God's church in this community. Every family, parent that brought their kids this morning to be dedicated, that is, a, that is building up the kingdom of God. And that's what it's all about. So I just want to ask you to pray for us as we, as we do this. We've gotten off to a great start. We have raised over $5.5 million, I believe, at this point. And that's, that's fantastic. But we're just, we're just partway through the process. We're hoping to get to the $8 million mark by about one year from now. And that means we all still need to work together. Uh, my wife and I, uh, we, put, we give to for generations to come. Uh, every paycheck we get, we put some money in. We put our tithe into the church. We put some money into the, the for generations to come. We see an offering on it says for generations to come, our 4G or building fund. We put it in there. And then we give some money to missions over and above. And that's what God has called us to do. And this February, we've also put in as big a donation that we can afford over that. And I want you to know that we're going to have this building built. There's no, there's no question about it. What, what matters is how much we receive between now and the start of uh, next year determines how much equipment and some of the nice things that we can have. And we don't want to have just an empty shell. We want to have a, a well, well-equipped ministry building. So I just want to encourage you, if you want to know how to give to it, you just take an offering envelope and you can put money in or a check into that for generations to come. We have, you can give online. Now, you can use that texting platform. And I know some of you, you say, well, we don't do texting. You send me texts all week long. <laughs> you can only claim so much ignorance, okay? I'm just saying, okay? You say we don't text, okay, whatever. Um, but if you want to, you can just use that telephone number. They'll put that telephone number up on the screen right now, I'm sure. It's 904-441-6900. And the message you put in is the number four in the letter G. That's for generations to come. The number four, the letter G, smushed together as though it were one word. And that will give you the giving link that takes you straight to the building fund. But more importantly, would you pray? Would you pray that God keeps us united in this? This is a big task. Pray that God gives us the endurance. Would you pray that God will give us endurance to deal with, with uh, the creative parking that we have to deal with, right? And, and that he gives us endurance in dealing with the creative parking that other people are doing as they're coming to church too. And we cope with that. But uh, would you pray that this would be something that God uses for his glory? Amen? Amen. 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 So far, we've done a good job. We don't want to finish in the middle. We want to take it to the finish line. And would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for giving us this time to come. And Lord, and consider the work that you're doing, Lord, as, as the building is now coming out of the ground. Lord, we're so excited. But Lord, help us not to be prideful and think that this is something that we're doing in our power. This is only happening because you have united your church in a common goal and a common vision. Lord, and I pray that you continue to unite us and make us strong. Lord, continue to give us that outward focus to look to families. Lord, give us that compassion for young kids and teenagers, Lord. And Lord, help us to be just that help in a community that, that really needs help. And Lord, uh, I pray that everything that happens is for your glory, your kingdom, your purpose and your will. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
Well, let's stand together as we continue.
ready? Oh, precious fountain that saves from sin, I am so glad I have entered in. There Jesus saved and keeps me clean. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. There to my heart was the blood of Before you're seated, welcome one another here. Get my make sure it's. I wrapped it through that loop so that. Oh, okay. Okay, that's enough. Good morning, church. Are you glad to be here? Amen. Isn't it good to share in the fellowship of the Lord? I have some news for you. God has a plan for you and he has a plan for me. And that plan is that your life would be filled with joy. That's his plan. He, God doesn't want you to be miserable. I know some of you live like you think God wants you to be miserable. God does not want you to be miserable, okay? If you, if you tell people you're miserable, you're angry, you're hurt all the time, you're living in disobedience because God wants you to be joyful. God, God's plan is for our hearts to be bursting forth with wonder and awe and encouragement and gladness because we belong to the Lord and the Lord belongs to us. There's nothing better than that. And you know, it's an always plan. God wants us to have a joy that the world can't take away. Now, can I confess to you as your pastor that sometimes I don't feel joyful? Okay, I know that's God's plan, but, but sometimes I just don't feel joyful. I, sometimes I feel instead overwhelmed, or sometimes I feel frustrated. Do anybody else feel like that, or is it just me? Sometimes we deal with these things, and, and that's why I need to hear the message today. So I'm going to be preaching to me. Okay, I need to hear this message uh, today. We're in this series that we're calling Lead Me to the Cross. And as we approach Resurrection Sunday, it's coming up soon. And as we approach Resurrection Sunday, we're examining the Gospel of John and those chapters just before the crucifixion. And these are the farewell words of Jesus and, and, and the words that he's going to talk to us about joy. And I'm entitling this message, Joy in the Shadow of the Cross. See, Jesus is talking to us in this passage that starts at John chapter 16, so you can get your Bibles ready. And this is, this is not just something that he, he put down years and years before the crucifixion. This is less than 24 hours before he's going to go to the cross. Less than 24 hours he's going to be in the tomb. You know, and, and in, this, in this passage, one of the things Jesus taught us was what it means to have joy even when we don't feel like it. What it means to have joy even when, when we don't see him, even when it doesn't make sense. And I don't know about you, but I want all the joy that God wants for me. I want all the blessing, all the goodness that he wants for me. So let's look at John chapter 16, starting at verse 16. I invite you to stand with me in honor of God's word. This is what Jesus said. He said, a little while and you'll see me no longer. And again a little while, and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will see me. And again a little while, and you, and, and a little while, and you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father. And so they were saying, What does he mean by a little while? We don't know what he's talking about. Jesus knew what they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, is that where you're asking yourselves what I meant by saying a little while and you'll not see me and again a little while and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, 
You will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she's delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also, you have sorrow now, but I'll see you again. And your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy, will take your joy from you. In that day... You'll ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he'll give to you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this word here. Lord, this this word of joy in the shadow of the cross. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to receive all the blessing Lord, not because we want our faith to be selfish, but Lord, we want to be fully in your lordship, fully surrender to you and receive all the blessings that you would want us to have. And Lord, in everything that is good, Lord, we give you all the praise because you are Lord, you are our savior, you are our king. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So you saw how that passage ended. He said, you know, ask and ask and you'll receive that your joy may be full. Jesus wants us to have all the joy that we can possibly have, right? So how how do I get to that place of receiving the joy that the Lord wants for you and me to have? And as I'm looking at this passage, there are several things to come to mind. Uh, In John 16, verse 16, it says, a little while. I think we need to cope with what Jesus means when he says, a little while. I think when Jesus says, a little while, it's not the same thing that I think of. When I think a little while, okay, that, that Greek word that they're using for a little while, it's micron, okay, M-I-K-R-O-N, micron. And if you were to use it in today's uses, a micron is how we measure distance. And you take one million microns and you put them together and you get one meter. Or those of you that aren't metric uh, savvy, you take 25,000 of those little things, you get an inch. 25,000 microns, put them end to end. And you'll get an inch. So that, yeah, that's, that's just a little bit, right? So anyway, most Bible scholars believe that this is a direct reference to the crucifixion. Jesus, Jesus is saying, you know, in a little while, you're not going to see me. He's going to die. He's going to be buried. He's going to be in the tomb. But then you're going to see him again after the resurrection. And most Bible scholars say, say directly, this is what this is talking about. Because there's, there's a time when they didn't see Jesus, and then they saw him again a little while. But we live in that reality too, don't we? Didn't Jesus tell us that we're going to see him, that he's going to come again? When did he say he's coming again? Soon, right? Soon. He said, well, I know when my parents, when I wanted to do something, I asked my parents, can I do something? And they said, in a little while. Or if they said soon, it meant pretty much the same thing, but it wasn't in my timing, okay? So how long is a little while? How long is soon? You know, Psalm 90, verse 4 says this, For a thousand years is in your sight, in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. Soon, or in a little while, it's different to Jesus than to us, and there's a disconnect. And I think we have to cope with that reality if we're going to have the joy that Christ wants us to have. We've got to understand that things are not necessarily going to come together in our timing. And so here's what I'd say. This is the first point I want to share with you. We need to live faith over sight. Faith above sight. We need to live faith. I don't want to, I don't want to let trusting my eyes steal my joy. Okay? Until that time when I can see what Jesus sees, I need to trust in faith in him. You know, because right now we don't see all that Jesus sees. Okay? But faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen, okay? So until that time we see what Jesus sees, we see the blessings that Jesus sees, then I'm going to have to live by faith. And so if I want the joy that Jesus Christ wants for me, I want to live faith over sight. I want to trust the eyes of Jesus over my eyes, okay? Last fall, my wife and I, we went to visit our daughter. Our daughter lives now in New York City. And uh, we went to visit her apartment in Flushing, New York. And, and then she took us to see the places that she's familiar with. We went to where she worked. We went to the Empire State Buildings where she works. 
And while we're walking around, we got on a subway, got off the subway, walked to the Empire State Building. And then she took us up to the observation platforms on the, those high, high floors up there. And she took us up to the, 80, the 84th floor and then the 102nd story of the Empire State Building. And, and I want you to know, you could see everything. I mean, it used to be the tallest building in the world. And now it's one of the tallest buildings in the world. And, you know, the view was amazing. But, you know, the view of New York City from the top of the Empire State Building was way different than my view of New York City in the subway. Okay? Because on the way there, we saw New York City in the subway. That's a whole different picture, okay? I didn't have a panoramic vision of the city. I saw tile walls in hallways and dark tunnels, and I didn't know where, where the sunlight was. And my view of life in this period of time, it's narrow and restricted. We're like we're in the subway. But Jesus, he sees the panorama of history. He sees the panorama, everything of creation. So I'm going to trust his eyes. I'm going to walk faith over sight. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, we walk by faith and not by sight. Because one day, if I, if I keep on having my faith in Jesus Christ, one day my faith will turn to sight and I will see the things that Jesus sees. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So until that time, in faith, I'm trusting that Jesus sees tomorrow better than I do. And that gives me joy. I can trust in him. Another thing I want to share. Uh, this is coming from verse 18 and 19. And there's this confusion time. I don't know how long it was. You know, the Bible doesn't give us time frame. We just think it takes as long as it takes us to read through it. But this is probably an extended conversation for several minutes. You know, they're saying, what does he mean by a little while? We don't know what he's talking about. And then it says in verse 19, Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. The disciples didn't know what Jesus was saying. Jesus knew what he was saying. Jesus knew everything. The disciples were trying to figure out what Jesus meant, and they were doing their mental computations. They were coming up empty. But you know, Jesus knew without anyone coming to him, he knew about their confusion and their concern. Okay. And what's interesting, when Jesus answered them and when Jesus replied to them, do you realize he did not give them the answer they asked for? He said, what do you mean by a little while and not a little while? You know, he didn't give them that answer. He, he never... He never gave them all the answers that they were wanting. And, and let me share with you that Jesus never commanded us to figure out everything. I think trying to figure out everything steals our joy. I know people. They try to figure out everything. They want to make sure every, everything that's a mystery gets answered. And because of it, it just steals their, their joy. They put all their theology in a box and they wrap it up in a bow. But God never called us to understand him. God called us to love him and follow him. We love him and follow him. And there are some things that are going to be a mystery. And if we want to get rid of all the mysteries in this world and make sure that all those mysteries are gone before we leave this world, we're going to make ourselves miserable and we're going to let our opinions steal our joy. So the next point is this. Love the Lord more than my opinions. If you want joy in this life, love the Lord more than my opinions, okay? You know, I love my opinions. Okay? I have really good opinions. Just like all, we have good opinions. I love my opinions, but you know what? My opinion is not perfect, but Jesus is. My opinion is not perfect, but the word of God is. And so I, I need to put that to the side. No one on earth fully understands all that is in the heart of God. We have the word of God. We have godly people who are seeking fully the will of God through his word. And as they look at the word, they see it in different ways and don't even agree uh, on how the word needs to be implemented in life. And then sometimes these godly people who are seeking the will of God struggle understanding what God is saying. And there's confusion. And I know that there are people who are miserable trying to categorize everything and get frustrated when everybody else doesn't agree with their opinion. And it becomes a weight. And that weight can steal our joy. I brought a balloon here. Okay. Always be wary when the pastor brings object lessons. <laughs> but this helium balloon is like the joy 
that Christ wants us to have. And this little pretty thing, this weight, can be our opinions, our thoughts. It could be our concerns. You know, sometimes, sometimes we start thinking about our finances. And those finances weigh us down and it steals our joy. Or we start thinking about relationships that aren't working out right. Or we, we talk about problems that are going on in this world and our politics. And it gets us down and say, how can we be joyful when everything is going the way it is? And God has this joy for us and he wants this joy to go up. And what we need to do is we need to let go of our opinions. And let God take the joy where he's going to take it. Let him take it up as far as he's going to take it and not let anything weigh us down. Now, I know I've lost you because you're going to be looking at that balloon. <laughs> Whole rest of the service. But there are some things that are going to be mystery in your life and in the heart of God. But, you know, we're not called to try to understand everything. We're supposed to love the Lord and, and enjoy what we're going to expect from him. It says, Paul wrote this, he says, but as it, is, as it is written, what no eye has seen or no ear heard nor heart of man imagined what God's prepared for those who love him. God's prepared amazing things for you. And these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. So love the Lord over your own opinions, and I think you'll find some joy there. There's joy in the love of the Lord. There's something else. Verse 20. Jesus said, truly, truly. In the Greek, that's amen, amen. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice and you'll be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. The world, and when I'm talking about the world, I'm talking about that part of culture that is not surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. In this passage, I'm talking about that part of culture that is under the influence of sin, uh, under the, the restrictions of sin and death, and seeing things that way, that part, okay? The world, uh, that part of culture, um, when faith takes a hit, loves it, okay? When Christians fall down, they love it. When there's a moral lapse among someone who should, be, who should know better of the faith, uh, they love that. And that's what this is saying here. It said, you'll weep and lament, but the world will rejoice, but he's saying also joy ultimately overcomes the world. Joy ultimately overcomes the world. So this is the next point. God's plan is joy. Grief will not be my last chapter. It will not be my last chapter. He said, you will be sorrowful, but your, joy, your sorrow will turn into joy. And what God does is he takes our pain and he turns it into beauty. He takes our pain more powerfully than anything else in our lives, I believe, and turns it into beauty. That's, the only, that's what God can do that no one else can do. And so I want to, I want to realize that I'm going to have grief, I'm going to have sorrow, but none of that's my last chapter. It will only last a little while. And then it says in verse 21, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she's delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So... I, I, I tread lightly here talking to women about childbirth as someone who's never done that myself. Okay. Um, but I, these are the words of Jesus. He said, you know, uh, that when, when the baby comes, there's a lot of pain in childbirth. I remember when Beth was born, our daughter, it was a long, it was a long uh, labor. And several weeks later, we were talking about what went on during that labor. And I mentioned something and my wife said, oh, I forgot about that. Ouch. I, she, I, she was mad at me for several days afterwards. <laughs> she blocked her pain out, uh, blocked out the memory of that. And I think that's what it's talking about. There, there's sorrow, there's pain. And these things are all encompassing, okay? And nowhere in the passage does this say that if I experience pain or acknowledge that I'm overwhelmed by what's in front of me, that, that I am lacking faith in any way, shape, or form? It doesn't say that anywhere. Pain is real. Suffering is real. And at times, they do overwhelm everything that's going on in our hearts and lives. It could be the death of a spouse, a death of a child, or, or rejection. And the pain is real. And maybe that's all you can handle at the time. But in the midst of the pain... Jesus said this. He says, when the joy comes, your heartache is going to become a memory. So the point is this. Joy in the Lord will surpass every pain and sorrow. The joy that he has planned 
It's, it's going to be what's going to be at the end, and it's going to be way more than anything you're dealing with. Think about what you're dealing with now. If you're going through a really rough time in your life, think about that. And if it's a very, very tough time, I just want you to know what the joy that Jesus is going to give to you is way more than the pain, way more. He says something else. He says in verse 22, so also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. I love that. I will see you again. Your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. Jesus didn't say, as he's getting ready for a cross, he didn't say, adios, hope to see you again. He said, I will see you again. Praise the Lord, right? Praise the Lord. He said, I will see you. Your hearts will rejoice. We're going to have that joy. And no one will take away your joy. Isn't that beautiful? So I want you to know this. Jesus still sees you. He sees you. And he promises that my, so, my sorrow is temporary and my joy is eternal. My joy is perpetual. See, Jesus sees me. Now, one day I'm going to see him again. I'm going to see him. I'll be in the unveiled presence of the Lord. I don't know when that's going to be. It's going to be either when he comes back to the world or when I leave it. But I know I'm going to see him. And, and when I see him, I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord. And the joy that I have when he and I are in direct eyesight, it will never, ever go away. Sorrow is temporary. Joy is eternal. But until then, until then, during this little while, uh, what am I going to do? And this is a key point. And this is verses 23 and 24. Jesus said, in that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy may be full. Ask and you will receive. This is what I take out of that passage. In the darkness, in the sorrow, in the confusion, in the grief, in the uncertainty, I want to lay everything at the feet of the Father. Everything at the feet of the Father. In the name of Jesus, I want to lay everything at his feet. And that's the last point. Lay everything at the feet of Jesus. I have people that ask me uh, from time to time, they say, Pastor, Pastor, is it all right to pray for this? Is it all right to pray for that? Let me tell you, if it's on your heart, you should just lay that at the Father's feet. If it's the wrong thing to pray for, the Holy Spirit will tell you it's the wrong thing to pray for if your heart is right. Just pray and lay everything at the heart of Jesus. Your, your sorrows, your pains, your joys, your victories, your defeats, everything, lay it at the feet of Jesus. Because when you bring that to Jesus, that's where joy comes from. Joy doesn't come from us. See, it comes from him. And the more we give to Jesus, the more he fills us. Now, my prayer for all of us today as I close is that you all be filled with all the joy that Christ wants you to have. And it comes from him. Do you have the joy? Are you missing joy? What can you lay at his feet? What can you lay down? What can you give to him? And he'll return that with joy. I just pray that the Lord will fill you up. Some of you, you may have been never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and don't even know what I mean when I say that. But I want you to know, if you give your life to Jesus, you lay everything at his feet. You ask him to give you a second chance. You ask him to forgive everything you've ever done wrong in your life. You know what the Bible says? He says, Jesus will do it. Jesus will do it. He'll cleanse you from everything. And that's a promise for you. And I want you to know, if there's something in this life that is weighing you down, you can get rid of it. You can get rid of that weight. And you, you can let your joy go all the way up to heaven. That's God's plan for you. And when you, when you give everything to him, that's when he fills you up. Amen? Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, I pray right now in the quietness of this moment that if there is someone here that is weighed down in life, Lord, someone here that is just really struggling with the circumstances that they're in the midst of, Lord, I pray that you would give them just full understanding that you will make things work out right if they'll only just put their lives in your hands. 
Lord, I pray if there's someone here that's dealing with past and don't think that they can be forgiven, Lord, help them to understand that your forgiveness is unlimited. It's unlimited, Lord. And that you have a love that's unmatched. And Lord, I pray that that person just right now would in their heart say, Lord, I do love you. I do believe you're alive. And I'm trusting in you for salvation. I'm trusting in you to get to heaven. I'm no longer going to try to swim and make it there on my own. I'm going to trust in you. Lord, I pray for those of us that have been Christians a long time. Sometimes we feel overwhelmed by the circumstances that we face and the situations we find ourselves in. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd help us to lay everything at your feet. Lord, to walk by faith and look forward to that time when our faith will be sight. Lord, when the, when the clouds are rolled away and the trump sounds. And Lord, give us peace and glory to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're coming to a time of response. I invite you to stand right now. And God may be working in your heart. And if he is, I just pray the Holy Spirit will tell you and direct you in the next step of faith. Some of those steps might be public steps of faith. Maybe God's calling you to be a part of this church family, to be a member of this church. If you want to do that, just come forward during the song. Just come say, Pastor Walter, I'd like to be a part of Anastasia Baptist Church as we reach this community. You come, we'll help you take that next step. Maybe God is calling you to present yourself for baptism like, like young Fletcher Carlson got, Carlton got baptized earlier today. Whatever God is calling you to do, you come during this song as we sing.
So, Father, we ask that you would do the work in us through your Holy Spirit that only you can do. That you would take the truths that we have sung, that we have said, and that we have heard, apply them to our lives so that we might ultimately bring glory to you. Father, there are divine appointments waiting for us this week. We pray that you would give us the boldness to share the gospel with those who need to hear. That your power from your spirit can go before us even and prepare the way. But Father, our job is to share. You reap the harvest. So Father, help us to be faithful as you are faithful. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Mend your ways, be comforted, and be like-minded. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Amen.